you're listening to It's All BS with Sabrina, an Amplify podcast. Hello and welcome to It's All BS, your backstage pass to all things live music and the bullshit that comes with it. I'm your host, Sabrina, and thank you so much for tuning in today. We are currently in the new year. We are officially in 2022. It is January the 2nd. I am personally still recovering from my New Year's. I went to Beyond the City here in Melbourne, which is a two-day festival, and I am I am feeling it. I am 9 out of 10 sure that <laughs> I have COVID. Uh, everything is aching. My throat hurts. I am coughing. Um, one of my friends in Sydney actually contracted COVID a few weeks ago, and she was telling me that the first few days uh, she was really emotional. And she's not an emotional person, guys, um, but it was anything would set her off and she would just start crying. Um, and I started laughing because I said, oh, I wonder if the same will happen to me. I I just went on TikTok and saw a couple that I do not know get engaged, like, you know, one of those montage engagement videos. And I cried. Um, so clearly, clearly something is going <laughs> on. But I hope everybody had a fantastic New Year's. Beyond the City was really, really great. I was super impressed with the setup considering the heat that Melbourne was experiencing the last few days. Uh, There were three stages, fantastic lineup, and all the artists just seemed really genuinely excited to be there. I think, you know, we are, although with Omicron and, you know, everybody and their dog kind of getting sick at the moment, I think there is still this strange sense of a light at the end of the tunnel, you know, being in the crowd and hearing everybody sing and laughing and you know, girls in their crazy outfits, boys with their body paint. I It was really nice to see everybody back together and the amount of friends that turned to me, you know, said like, we're back, baby. Um, I think it's really indicative of how important festival culture is here in Australia, coming together for music. Um, so wherever, whatever you ended up doing for your New Year's, I hope it was fantastic. I hope you feel a little bit better than I do. But if you do not, make sure you take care of yourself. Make sure you get tested. You're drinking a lot of water, you're taking your vitamins and that you're giving yourself as much time to recuperate as possible because it's important. Alrighty, let's jump into some music news because it's a new year, it is a new us and we are going to stay informed together. So here's your top three headlines of the week. Headline number one. Two members of Russian activist punk rock band Pussy Riot are being labelled foreign agents by the Russian government. So who are Pussy Riot? They are an all-girl punk rock band from Moscow, Russia, that started back in 2011 and since its creation have instigated and been a part of multiple high-profile activist art performances concerning political and social controversies in Russia. In 2012, the group really drew international attention for the first time when they performed a protest show called A Punk Prayer in the Cathedral of Christ, the saviour of the Russian Orthodox Church in Moscow. And they did this in direct protest of Vladimir Putin's controversial re-election, which had many accusations of electoral fraud and vote rigging surrounding it. Three of the band members were actually arrested and imprisoned in separate gulags or labor camps for two years, which drew intense international criticism. So what does being labeled and a foreign agent actually mean? The Russian foreign agent law came into effect in 2012 by Putin, and it requires organizations, media and individuals that receive foreign donations and engage in political activity, study and report on crime, corruption or other problems within the military space or security industry to register and declare themselves as foreign agents. Those who have been identified as foreign agents undergo additional government scrutiny and must accompany all of their texts, videos and social media posts with a caption mentioning that content is coming from a foreign agent. Now, this label imparts some very serious and heavy consequences on its subjects and is likened to the Soviet Cold War era label enemy of the people. It alludes to a government espionage or spying and really aims to discredit the individual or to sort of give you an idea of the ramifications and the seriousness of being forced into this label uh, is just earlier this week, Russia's court shut down the country's oldest and most prominent human rights group Memorial blaming its failure to identify itself as a foreign agent within some of its content that they had uh, published. So it just goes to show that if you do not follow these these rules that have been forced upon you due to this label, you can fall into some very serious trouble. 
So to link this all together, basically two members of Pussy Riot, the punk rock band, have been labelled foreign agents by Russian authorities. And Nadia Tolokonokova, Pussy Riot's leading lady, is refusing to comply with the new label and will be contesting it in court, stating that Russia will be free again. Headline number two, Travis Scott continues to feel the fallout from Astroworld Crush. For some context, Astroworld was US rapper Travis Scott's music festival held in Houston, Texas on November 5th of last year. During Travis Scott's headlining performance, there was a crowd crush that did result in 10 people dying aged 9 to 27. The tragedy has, of course, since been investigated and Harris County Medical Examiner's Office has confirmed that the victims died of compression asphyxia, which is when there is an external force that is limiting the ability of the chest to expand and for air to get into the lungs. Now, close to 300 lawsuits have been filed against Travis Scott, the entertainment company Live Nation, the promoters, and the venue itself. And Travis Scott has since denied most allegations against them and has requested to be dismissed from multiple lawsuits specifically naming him. There's a lot of commentary and opinions surrounding this whole tragedy, namely around Travis Scott and his inability to realise or I guess acknowledge the seriousness that something was clearly wrong while performing despite audience members being in distress and trying to communicate with him and the surrounding media technicians to stop the show. Past behaviour by Travis Scott at other performances have been brought into the conversation, claiming that he has a habit of trying to rile up the audience and promote dangerous crowd behaviour. This, of course has led to a lot of dead deals and cancelled partnerships for the musician, including his long-awaited Dior collaboration that has now been postponed indefinitely. The Cactus Jack collaboration was scheduled to be released with Dior's 2022 summer collection, and it was the first time Dior was going to work with a musician. Nike has also since delayed their shoe collaboration with the artist, and Travis Scott's Cacti Hard Seltzer line has also been discontinued. Headline number three Eminem makes history again. Marshall Mathers, aka Eminem, is the first artist to have 11 albums reach over 1 billion streams in Spotify's history. His 1999 album, The Slim Shady LP, tipped him over the edge on December 30th when it surpassed the 1 billion mark. The only album that hasn't reached this milestone is his debut album, Infinite, which was released in 1996. Say what you want about the man. Uh, You could love him, you could hate him, despise him, or agree with him, but his music really meets no bounds. Okay, it is time for my top three car concert songs of the week. I feel like I need like a little intro jingle to just that part and maybe like a little news jingle to the news section. I think that could be a little bit cute. I'll work on that. But my first song of the week is Dream by Boo Seeker. This is a late addition to the top three car concert songs of the week because I did see him at Beyond the City and I was just so impressed by his stage presence and his energy and basically his music in general. I have seen him before live when he was still with his uh, creative partner, Uh, earlier in 2021 when he was the supporting act for American uh, band Ex-Ambassadors. But this was the first time that I got to see him kind of in his own solo set and he really owned the stage. And Dream is the single from his upcoming album, which is very exciting. But 2022 seems like it's going to be a generally very uh, exciting year for Bruce Seeger. He was invited onto stage with Hayden James for the midnight set at Beyond the City to play for the very first time a collaboration that I'm sure is going to be hitting our streams very, very soon. And I kind of experienced that feeling that Kim Moyes talked about last week when you can actually see and feel a song becoming a hit in front of you. That's how I felt anyway. I really, really enjoyed the single. I hope you guys do too when it eventually comes out. But for today, this is Dream by Boo Seeker. My second song of the week is September by Aoni. 
Aoni is a singer from Barbados and September is from her debut EP Iridescent which was released back in 2019 so I'm a little bit slow on the uptake of this song but I am so glad that I found it. It is one of those songs that I didn't fall in love with the first time I listened to it maybe because I wasn't really paying attention or, or what it was but it came on in the car and you know, I heard it and it piqued my interest. So I, I listened to it again and then I listened to it again and again and again. And it has been on repeat in my car all week. It's a very vocally centric piece. It really shows off Aoni's uh, her versatility. The harmonies are stunning. The layering is stunning. The production in general. I kind of just don't have any flaws for this song. So this is September by Aoni. October's real pretty if you wanted to know And I can see the sunset from this spot on the metro And my love for you is gone And my love for you is gone And my love for you is gone And when the sun came up Something new had filled your place So I'm dancing on the train And I'm blanking on your name And my need for you And last but certainly not least is a song by Fred Again. Fred Again is a British singer-songwriter, multi-instrumentalist, record producer, and remixer. And the song that I chose today is called Dermot, and then in brackets, See Yourself in My Eyes. And this is from his album, which he released early 2021, I believe, called Actual Life Volume 1, because he has since released Volume 2, which was released at the end of 2021. And what I love about this album, other than the music, obviously, is that every song is named after a person. And this song in particular is named after one of my all-time favorite artists, Dermot Kennedy, who is an Irish singer-songwriter. And the reason why this song is named after him is because Fred has taken sound samples of Dermot Kennedy's hit single, Lost, which also happens to be one of my favorite songs, hence why I love this song so much. Now, Fredigan is quite hard to pin down. I can't really place him in a genre for you guys, but it is a little bit of dance pop. We've got some electronic in there, some house, a little bit of hip hop production thrown in there for good measure. Uh, it's generally a sound that I really, really love, and I hope that you do too. So this is Dermot by Fredigan. I spoke to an absolute beautiful soul. Her name is George Alice. She was Triple J's Unearthed Tie winner back in 2019 for her hit single Circles, which has now reached over 8.7 million streams. George was only 15 when she won that competition, so she is now only 18, but Jesus, she does not sound like it. She is very, very wise and mature beyond her years. And she's about to embark on a massive year. She has her own headlining tour. She is doing every music summer festival under the sun. She has recently been announced as Amy Shark's supporting act for Amy Shark's arena tour. So this girl is really just jumping headfirst into this industry and really like grasping it with both hands and taking every opportunity that she can while still, I guess, planting her feet firmly and being very humble about the whole thing. So once again, this is George Alice. I hope you enjoy the chat. You know I lie when I say goodbye. 
Alrighty, guys, I'm here with George Alice. Hi, George Alice, where are you right now? Hello, um, I am in a hotel in Melbourne. Oh, Melbourne, that's actually where I'm originally from. I'm in uh, Sydney now, but that's where. Oh, really? That's, that's where I grew up. How was, yes, that's right, you played at the MCG last night. How did it all go? Yeah, it was incredible. It's definitely the biggest thing that I've ever done. Um, it's yeah. one of those things where, like, you know, you'd, you'd go and see, like, you know, your favourite artist who's, like, the biggest thing ever play at those kind of places, um, which was really nice of the stars to, to have me there. But, um, yeah, it was amazing. It was a dream come true. Yeah, was it, was it intimidating? Like, because you, you have people at a 360-degree angle. You're just looking around being like, oh, hello. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty intimidating because also, like, normally, like, you know, when you play a stage, they're just like in front of you and, you know, there's no one at the side of you or behind you. Whereas for this, we were like on the kind of on the side, but there were still people sitting behind you and the sides of you and people could like stand right, like right next to you. And I was like, wow, there's, there's so many people that I didn't know were here. But um, no, it was <laughs> we, we played twice. Um, we played at the beginning and then we played um, mid innings, which was really cool. So it was nice to have like a bit of a warm up and get used to it. But um. Yeah, I don't think you can ever get used to playing to 10,000 people. So, <laughs> Absolutely not. Well, so I listened to some other podcast episodes that you've been on. So I know that you've been in Adelaide for most of the pandemic. Um, you've done some writing and you kind of got to uh, be a kid again. Yeah. Um, you went from winning Triple J's Unearthed High to like you went from zero to 100 almost overnight, it feels like. So tell me about just like a little quick recap of what the pandemic was like for you, what you liked about it. Are you excited to be back playing shows? Are you missing doing nothing? How, how are you feeling? Um, I think the pandemic was, what well, it was really good for me personally. And I know that it can come across a little bit naive considering it's, you know, how much grief it has brought for everybody. But I think that yeah, just getting to be able to be a kid and like take time to write music and, you know, really think about what I was doing as an artist rather than just running because I had to run. And um, yeah, I think it was really cool. It was, it's been a lot of fun being in Adelaide, you know, meeting new people and my incredible friends and, you know, just getting to have those special years of the first years out of high school that everyone else gets to do, which was really important for me. I really loved doing that. Um, But yeah, I'm super excited to have shows back it's so much fun being back. I'm like 10 times more anxious than I ever was, but um, <laughs> yeah, it's so much fun. And I, it's, I'm still pinching myself and you're kind of like waiting for it to end, like waiting for the bad news, waiting for that phone call. But as of yet, there is none. So touch wood. <laughs> there has not been one. Yeah. Cause just then you use the words like, you know, running for the sake of running. Did it feel a little bit like that prior to the pandemic? Because everything was sort of thrown at you and it was like all right kid here's your shot don't fuck it up are you are you kind of scared that it's going to take on that pace again or do you feel a little bit more ready for it this time I feel like I'm I'm a very I'm a super strange person I don't think I was ever scared of the pace that it was going at I, I was like oddly prepared I don't know how or why but and I really do believe in like you know people this is like my path that I've been engraved in and you know I was put here to do this and all that stuff and maybe that's why but um yeah I, I've never been scared of it and even though I was so young I was never afraid of it or you know I was intimidated by it for sure but I think that just made me thrive more and if it went to that pace again then I would be super grateful because I I don't think it will ever get to that pace again because it was just it was unreal and I got handed literally everything I ever wanted to do on a golden platter and they said do it because you can and I just did it and I think that I didn't want to come across ungrateful or, you know, didn't want to feel guilty if I didn't do something. So I just did everything. And I think now I've learned the beauty in sometimes stepping back and saying, I don't actually have to do everything. I can just do some things and it'll be 10 times more effective. Like you said, it was your dream handed to you on a silver platter. And I think like most of my listeners are not going to be musicians. And even if they are you know, maybe they're just playing in a band on the weekends for fun. Maybe they're going to release their own music. Who knows? But was that, did you feel that pressure to just take on everything and anything? And if you said no, you were letting yourself down, you were letting 
I don't know, management down, you were letting fans down. Do you, are you a little bit more realistic about what you can handle? And okay, like I, I can say no to this and no one's going to die today. <laughs> yeah, I think I've definitely, I mean, I guess just being 16 or 15, 16 as well, I just, I didn't know how to even start a conversation that was as mature as saying, hey, I just need a moment today. Like I just need to take a break and look after myself and look after my brain. And I just did not know how to do that. Um, but luckily my parents were always really, really close um, to the entire thing and they were there everywhere with me. So they they could kind of help me say those things that I couldn't. But now I'm like, you know what, if I if I am feeling exhausted and I can't do something, then I'm not letting anybody down. If anything, I would let myself down by pushing myself to the point where I was like, you know, physically ill or, you know, like feeling really awful if I had to go and do something that I just couldn't. So I think that, yeah, yeah. overall, I've just matured in that whole, in that whole area. For sure. And as well, like, I mean, I know you've mentioned before how close you are to your parents. It's great that you could lean on them and that they were, they were comfortable in their roles as your parents to sort of step in and be like, hold up. Cause I know you said your dad is like the biggest music lover ever. And that's how you fell in love with everything. So I can, I can imagine for him, he's so excited for you. Um, so it's great that he could also take, take that step back and be like, no, I'm still her dad. And this is still my daughter. Yeah. And she still needs to <laughs> have a break guys. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It was great. They, um, they are the best at doing that, which is, I think I really needed that which is good. Well, you are about to hit the ground running. You've, uh, circles went gold. Mm -hmm. You are about to do a whole bunch of music festivals over the summer, like New Year's Eve in the park, Wildlands, this, this or that. You've got yours and ours. Um, and then you've just announced that you are going to be supporting Amy Shark on her arena tour. Yeah. Are you, what was that phone call like? Like, how does that happen? How does George Alice get the phone call? Hey, by the way, you're about to go play a bunch of arenas with Amy Shark. Well, I I have this like weird manifesting. I don't know if it's weird. I feel like everybody does it. It's a big manifesting thing. And I'll either like write it down or like repetitively think about it. Or yeah, usually I write things down. But I did another podcast just like this, um, like a week before. And I was like, yeah. You know, I feel like oddly since, again, you know, referring back to I've always been on this path and this is like what I was put here to do, that I've always had this weird feeling since I was 10 that I, you know, I need to learn how to sing in like arenas or stadiums just in case, just in case one day because it's my dream. And I, and I just would like practice just like dreaming of like, oh my gosh, one day, like maybe I could be, you know, be like Adele and play a big stadium. <laughs> and um, yeah, so I would practice on like nonstop. And then literally the next week, um, my manager rang me and was like, so um, there's these two shows and, you know, somebody can't do it now, unfortunately. So um, I guess you're next up and they're, they're really cool and you really love this artist. And I was like, oh, okay, like, you know, where's, where's the show? Maybe it's like, you know, like a, like a regular, very, very regular show. It's like, oh, cool, like a show. I'm so grateful. Where is it? Yeah. And she was like, oh, it's um, at the Entertainment Centre and the Perth Arena. I was like, Oh, right. And she was like, with Amy Shark. And I just did not know what to say. I just I just kept saying nothing and going, oh, really? Like, that's really cool. That's awesome. Oh <laughs> but, yeah, it's God. super exciting. I, I, I still can't believe it. Even posting it yesterday, I was like, what, what, what on earth is going on? Yeah, what? wow. Well, I mean, this isn't the first time that you've uh... – brushed shoulders with some huge names in the Australian music industry. Like you've supported Vera Blue and some, yeah, some huge names. What's that? Just out of curiosity, what's that like? How much does the supporting artists like yourself, I guess, actually talk to the headliner? Is it the, is it a case of you have your changing room, they have their changing room and you guys never cross paths? Is it different for every person? What's like the etiquette? as a supporting act? Um, I think it's different for everyone. I think it also depends like like what venue you're in and if it's, you know, more of a festival type situation or if it's a, a small venue or a big venue. But I, I mean, I'm a pretty social person. I just love chatting to anyone that will chat to me. So if I see them, I'll usually go and say hello and like thank them with everything I can for having me because I just think that, you know, for an artist as big as they are to have taken on a kid, 
and you know trusted me in what I was doing as well you know to to do a good job and you know not let them down I think that was that you know it's the most special thing and I think that that's also why you become and in the end good friends with a lot of the headliners that you do support or you know you at least become acquainted and you know or you chat on Instagram or you know you get connected which I think is really important and yeah even which I would say to other artists as well even if you are really shy because they are a really big name I just go and say hello to them or like knock on their green room door and go and have a chat and you know even if it's for three seconds or half an hour like it's it's gonna leave a bit of an impression I think and um, it also will help you grow and you know get your social skills with other artists up and you know it's good for literally everything so yeah it's it's usually um pretty social just because I make it that way <laughs> yeah you're like you're gonna talk to me and you're gonna enjoy it thank you <laughs> <laughs> but luckily luckily a lot of the headliners I think every headliner I've supported has been so lovely they've either either spoken to me first or you know been in the same area or you know we were allowed to watch them do sound check or something so everyone's honestly I think it's the Australian industry they're just so beautiful everyone's Mm. so lovely yeah well because you've done a bit of work overseas I know after the whole Triple J unearthed high thing uh you were sort of packed up and sent over to all of the big record labels and the execs and like I said everything was just there really quickly did you find that overseas there was like a different vibe like how would you how would you kind of explain that because I know I think a lot of musicians are in their heads about I've got to make it to America I've got to get to the UK because that's where it's all going to happen for me what what's your what's your honest opinion of I guess the industry over there because I know Australia can be a little bit warmer slightly a little bit safer we've got triple j which is such like a nice supporting you know place for new artists i feel like i don't know i really obviously i really love the australian industry i feel like it's it's really welcoming because of triple j and unearth high and you know even just unearth in general it's super welcoming and there's lots of younger artists getting involved which i think from you know when I did go overseas I was really shocked at how shocked everybody was how young I was like I don't think anybody expected me to be you know like freshly 16 and doing what I was doing and but here that also seemed not that odd because I feel like with unearth high and unearthed and we have so much support that it's like they hold your hand while you do it so it's okay like it's not like a let's throw her in and you know see if she can swim and it was like a let's do it together and um and then I went to America and it was again the same thing I think it's the same bit of a I don't know if it's a stereotype or if it's true or not but you know that it's in America you'll do good in America um but yeah I mean I have a label in America and I love Americans so I think that it went really well for me personally I think everything there is much much grander and like very wow like they really try to wow you um but I found the people that didn't do that so uh yeah I think it's it's just it is it's just different worlds and I think that it's um really cool to experience and if you have the opportunity to experience I think it's important because you learn a lot and um you learn how to read people really well and yeah, it's just good for everything. But I mean, obviously, the end goal, I think, for any artist that wants to make it as big as they, you know, however big they want to make it, I think going to other countries is, is always going to be a win. Yeah, 100%. Well, to touch on Triple J Unearthed High, I know you've probably talked about circles to bloody death with everybody. But I was a little bit confused with like the timeline of it all. Because you you wrote it when you were about 15 mm-hmm. you won the competition when you were about 16 but then I've read somewhere that uh Maribel helped you with the production and kind of like the fleshing out of the song yeah where where does Maribel fit into this did you write the initial one um submit that and then when you won did you then go and do like a proper production like well when in I reckon it was January of 2019 which is, yeah, the year that I won on Earth High. January of 2019, I went to Melbourne with my family. And while I was there, I had someone that I was kind of like chatting to about music things or like giving me guidance and, you know, doing the, just doing like the, um, 
I guess, mentor situation. And um, I was saying that I wanted to, you know, do some writing sessions and, you know, learn how to do those and, you know, take the next step because I I had never done those before. And um, writing music is obviously what I wanted to do. And then she was like, cool, I've got, I've got this, you know, I know this girl, we're good friends and she, she'd be really cool for you to just like learn from and, you know, like two young women, it'll, it'll be really cool. So I just got connected with Maribel and then I went to, I think it was her parents' house uh, and we made circles in her living room. Um, just literally just to learn and like to figure things out and you know like I had references of how I wanted the production to sound and you know the drum sounds that I wanted it to be like and you know all of those all of those things lots of song references and how I wanted it to be and yeah we just worked on it for the day and we also wrote another song that day as well and it just happened so naturally and then after that we just put it in on high because it was like why not may as well you know we have a song now so we may as well and um yeah then everything went from there and then it exploded (laughs) yeah wow that's so sweet though like that you went to Melbourne and you were like I kind of want to do this let's do it and then you were at her parents house like I think that's it's really nice to hear that it can be that organic and Mm. these little moments these little steps that people can take can lead to these really great big things yeah um so that's really sweet I like that but okay let's go into a little bit more of your live show so you just play the MCG you're about to hit up a lot of uh music festivals a lot of them yeah like I was reading your list and I was like damn girl gonna be on a plane (laughs) most of the summer (laughs) be on that plane yeah how do you how do you figure out your set list how do you figure out your band like someone's being like okay here is this show, you have to play it. How? What's the process like from there? Do you have your core group of musicians that you're like, these are mine and they're going to come with me no matter what? How do you choose a set list? You know, kind of let's let's get a little bit of a, a backstory to to what it's actually really like to plan to plan a live yeah. show. Um. Well, my I guess the person that helps me, you know, put put together the show and you know the the background situation of the show because we play with a lot of like um a lot of live instruments as well as you know tracks and um stems and other things and triggers that will like you know make the sounds that are set that that are in the songs and um yes I work a lot with Gabstrom from Japanese Wallpaper he puts together the whole live show and uh makes it sound amazing and you know teaches everybody their parts and um all of that so it sounds amazing for the live show I have a guitarist and she also plays keys and does backing vocals called Stella Farnan and I also have um a drummer that I've been drumming with since I was I reckon 15 or 16 uh called Steiner and they're amazing they they come everywhere with me no matter what they come everywhere um unless there's some crazy clash of you know dates where they can't which is very rare and I don't like that but um they 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 come with me everywhere and they're the best band ever they're so talented and they play everything it's so odd hearing things come to life on stage and how different a song can sound in rehearsals versus a stage and it's really a matter of trusting the process because obviously we play with in-ears so we can hear what everyone's doing individually in our ears and you know you get the mix right and all of that and then whatever you're hearing out the front is up to you know whoever's working on that <laughs> and bosses um, that are not yours yes yeah and um yeah so it's it's been a big thing to to learn how to do that and to learn how to do it really quick before I played my first show and because it came up very very quickly and um yeah they just they they really nailed it Gab does an incredible job at what he does and building the set list I guess we I don't know I mean I, when I first made my set list I didn't really I only had one song out so it didn't really matter what songs I put in I put set but um yeah I just kind of put in I guess more upbeat ones you know I'd have a little moment of upbeat songs and then have a bit of a lull where it might be a bit of a slower song and then upbeat again and I kind of do it like that so it's like the show can have a natural lull and it's not gonna you know make me sad if people are like wandering off in like an upbeat song because I didn't lay it out right yeah how I was wondering what because you're up there on the stage and like you said everything's sort of set people know what they're doing have you ever had an instance where you've been on stage and you're like, mm, this isn't working? 
or like, have you ever gotten so much into your own head that you start getting anxious? Because I can imagine, especially at a festival when it's broad daylight and you can see everybody's faces, I'd freak out. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's, it's terrifying. I reckon at least once every show I do that. Cause I'm, I'm not an anxious person, but I definitely overthink a lot of things. And uh, especially going on a stage where there's that many people and I've never, I've never been a confident performer. Like I just could not, I could never sing in front of people ever. And then yeah. all of a sudden it was like, here's your first show for, you know, this massive music festival. And I was like, oh, all right, <laughs> let's do that. And um, yeah, so I guess it's a matter of, you know, two sides of my brain, one being focus on the music and one being don't look at the crowd, just focus on how you're performing and your, you know, your movements and how confident you look. Cause you know, not only just being a young girl in music, I want to look confident, like I'm in control and, you know, it doesn't look like just the band's doing it all for her. You know, she doesn't write her own music, you know, the classic, you know, this classic things. And also like she can, she, she knows what she's doing. She's, she's rehearsed. She's confident. She's comfortable. Like, you know, I think about all those things and they circle around my brain over and over and over uh, while I'm playing and then when you kind of make eye contact with someone that's doing something or you know something little goes wrong everything goes out of pattern and it just like it wipes me out and I go Doop, I don't know what I'm doing <laughs> uh, uh, okay shut down goodbye yeah I just completely shut down but I think I've learned to cover it pretty well so yeah it's all right well you just touched on like okay I need people to realize that I am quote unquote, a serious musician. You know what I mean? Like I'm not just, this wasn't just handed to me guys. Like I do write my own songs. I'm part of this process. Have you found that, that because, well, A, you are young. I mean, you speak beautifully and you seem like, I feel like you're a little bit, you've been forced to kind of, you know, grow up very quickly. So you don't come across as young, but you know, people are aware that you're young. You are a solo female artist do you has that happened before where you've been spoken down to or you know kind of pushed off to the side a little bit because you're like okay you're just the singer I think I think it's something that's a little bit I think it's a little bit unavoidable um it happens sometimes I think you know and not to make excuses for anybody because people do it and it sucks and I'll say something every time but you know whether it's um I don't know, like roadies or, you, you know, like crew or, you know, some or like a, another manager or like anyone who kind of doesn't really realise that, that maybe you're there to also perform or, you know, that you, you are there to do a job just the same as what they're doing. And, um, you know, they might like make a passing comment or, you know, like kind of like shuffle you out the way a little bit or, you know, ask, they kind of like ask, you know, they might ask the the men in the room rather than me, even though I'm the one with the answer. Um I don't know. I, I've been pretty lucky to work with, with a lot of incredible yeah. men and where it hasn't always happened, I feel like I've seen it happen and it really sucks. And, you know, I've spoke about it a lot because I don't, I don't agree with it at all. And I think that, you know, even though I'm like, I'm young and I was always the youngest in the room and, you know, I didn't even finish high school. Like I was, I should have been in an, in an English class, but instead I was doing all these really cool things. And I think that in itself should be respected. You know, I worked really hard yeah. to get to that point and to keep it up for as long as I did as well. And as long as I still do, you know, I think that that should be respected and regardless of my gender or, you know, how I look or anything like that, you know, it should be totally respected. And I think that that was one thing that always got to me was like playing festivals or something. It'd always be like, oh, like, like you're really pretty like that would be like the the compliment I got or I love your hair I love your hair I love your outfit and I'm like oh thanks but like you're here to see the music are you not like it's you know I don't really care like I could wear a plastic bag like and and I would hope that you would still listen to yeah. the same and compliment something else other than what you see but you know at the end of the day um I was a 16 year old girl and maybe that's the thing that happens yeah. but it was very odd and um yeah, I really hope things change in the future. But I think with, with people like myself and, you know, the mindset that I have around it, and I know a lot of my friends have the exact same mindset. So I think we are changing the game because I will, you know, I won't hesitate to say something to someone who says something dumb and I don't think anyone else will. So, you know, the silence isn't there, which is good. That's, yeah, that's awesome. I mean, yeah, it's, that pisses me off for you <laughs> that you, you've just, you that you just put on like this amazing show. You're like, um, I was nervous before I got on. I had to look at all of these people in the crowd in the face and I just put on a killer performance 
and you're telling me that my hair looks good? Like, go away. Very, very odd. I mean, you know, super grateful that people like my hair, but at the same time, (laughs) I wrote really cool songs. So I don't know. Let's actually jump into your songwriting because I'm a little bit curious because you wrote Circles, uh, how, yeah, 15, 16. And it's, I mean, for me, how I interpret it was, you know, being in the relationship, being in a relationship with the wrong person and you're backing and you're forthing. And like you said, you're going around in circles. Was that from personal experience? Like you were, like to be, I hope it's not because you were, 15. (laughs) Yeah, look, I mean, I think for me it was more so about, um, you know, I mean, I really love Adele and obviously she writes amazing heartbreak songs. Like they are, you know, she's the queen of it. And she pretty much taught me how to sing by listening to her albums. So I, I guess I was just kind of writing about all I knew how to write about and also about um just being in high school and how much that sucked and like you know the back and forth between stupid friendships and bloody you know that weird group of people that just you know want to put everyone down and you know the back and forth between like oh I'm trying to be who I'm meant to be but I need to be this person right now and you know just all of the craziness that comes with being 15 and in high school and I'm definitely not enjoying it and um yeah, I guess that that was more so the the trajectory of it. And I think that I left it very open-ended. So it could be about literally anything. And I think that's why, you know, I think people of all ages enjoy it because, you know, I didn't want anyone to listen to it and say, oh, I, like, I can't relate to that. So, yeah, I left it pretty open-ended and about a lot of things. So, Okay, well, you use a lot of metaphors and open-ended language in your songwriting. Um because like you said, you want people to be able to interpret their own message from it. Like for me, circles, because I was in yeah. what I can only call an absolutely <laughs> shit-tastic relationship at the time. Yeah, I was like, oh my gosh, yes. I was like, I get it. Like, yes, this is exactly what I'm feeling. But for somebody who's maybe 16 in high school, it's like this is the shitty friend that won't let me, won't let me live my life, is trying to drag me down. For somebody else, it's going to be something completely different. So are you, because you like to use that open-ended language, are you not that precious with how people interpret your music? Are you sort of like, this is yours now. I've written it for me, but I've released it for you. Yeah, I think that's exactly the way I look at it. And, you know, there, there might be one day a song where I say, this is the meeting and, you know, this is this is what it really means to me. But at the end of the day, I can't control what anyone thinks or how they feel about a song so uh, I think I should just start off strong and say it's yours you do what do with it what you will (laughs) it is you know it's up for interpretation and you know I can write things and then I can change my mind about what they mean and you know that happens all the time where sometimes I'll write a song and have no idea where it's come from won't even be thinking about any meaning behind it and then in two months time you know that I'll I'll go through something and I'll say that makes so much sense you know my subconscious was telling me something and you know or you know I I spoke that into existence or something like that and you know so I just I leave it open-ended yeah well you put up a TikTok the other day week I don't know um but you were playing the guitar and you were saying that you wrote it while you were in New York people watching and this couple were moving yeah. out of their apartment. And how often do you do that? How often do you write about these little these little stories you see on the street? And when you're performing, do you think about those stories or are you just so much in your head that you're like, okay, all right, the guitar's in now. Okay, yep, the drums are in now. Yep, okay, shit, i got to start singing in about two seconds. <laughs> I, think, um, I don't know. I do it pretty often, mostly because – I'm always in, well, I was always in big cities or around a lot of people and there was not really many people my age. And, you know, what is a 16-year-old going through? I didn't have a lot going for me then, so I had nothing to write about. And um, 
you know, I could I could keep writing about being a teenager, but I think that that really came to an end because, you know, there's only so much you can say. And, um, yeah, so I was watching this couple and I don't know whether they were moving in or moving out, but they were stood in the doorway with, like, this big cupboard and they were talking about how they are going to get it up the stairs. And I just saw that and was like, mm, maybe they've broken up and they've had a really messy breakup and they're moving out and it's bittersweet, but, you know, they've got to go and maybe in the next life they'll come back together. And I know I do that often. I'll just see people and say, like, you know, I wonder what they're doing out here together. I wonder why that person's walking away from that person. And I think it just really lets lets itself tell a really beautiful story and, Yeah, I mean, it also goes to show that everybody's living their own lives, you know, and everyone's so different to you. And, yeah, I just think it's really beautiful to write about because it's a little bit outside the box. For sure. And do you, like, do you think about that while you're on stage or is that more just for you while you're writing it and then once it's sort of pen to paper and it's been produced, those stories, they sort of dissipate a little bit? I think I'll always hold on to them. You know, I wrote this one song one time when I was on a flight to Sydney right after Unearth High and there was a woman sitting next to me with, um, she was reading a book and her bookmark was a Polaroid of her and her partner next to her and it was so cute. I was like, you guys are the dream. You are so cute. And so I just on the plane wrote so many like little sentences and um, paragraphs of like poetry about this couple that were next to me and they were so loved up and it looked like she was terrified of flying you know it's like we took off and she was freaking out and you know landing freaking out and they were just clinging on to each other while she was reading this book and this beautiful Polaroid was just like staring at me the whole time and we and I wrote this um this song about you know about it and the the main part of the song is I'd walk 529 miles just to just to be close to you and I think that that you know that's just speaks so much in itself about how beautiful other couples can be and you know maybe they have an awful relationship maybe they have an incredible one you know I don't know and that's what's really cool about I don't know yeah I don't know and I'll never know and I think that that's um really cool so on stage I'm just thinking about that because I don't know if it's true or false and I really don't care. So I'm just going to go with it. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I wrote a song about it and it's going to sound great regardless. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, to kind of bring it back to touring, are you nervous about the amount of shows that you're about to embark on? I mean, I mean, I know you're excited, obviously, but like, are you, because it's quite an exhausting process like uh, talking to the 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 artists that I've spoken to recently I think part of this podcast I kind of want to like lift up the curtain a bit that surrounds the glamour or like puts a layer of glamour on um yeah on this part of the career because uh, both of them the both the presets and an American uh, rock band in the states were like uh it's it's kind of (laughs) boring They were like, yeah, you just kind of like, you know, it's exhausting. You you get to the show, you do sound check, and then you got to wait, and then you got to perform, and then you've got to. How do you cope with that? Like, do you find it boring, or is it still kind of like this like exciting bubble for you? Um, well, I guess I haven't really had much of an opportunity to do like a consecutive tour, and I've only ever done mm. one headline tour, and that was last year. Yeah, last oh my gosh, last year, and um, yeah. we just did like an East Coast tour, and you know, did some other like little random shows in between that, and it was it was so exciting, but it was exhausting. It's like really, it's hard on everything. It's hard on your brain, hard on your body, hard on everything because it's like have I sold out the venue? I don't know. Have I, you know, have Mm. I done an okay job? Are they going to like my songs? Uh, What if I mess up? And there's been so many times where I've done so many embarrassing things on stage where I just go, oh my God, I can never go on stage (laughs) again. Like I can, I can't play the show tomorrow night. And that's it. I'm canceled. (laughs) Never do this again. This is not for me, unfortunately. Thanks Triple J, but I can't do it. And, um, you know, one time I dropped my whole guitar on stage and was too scared to tune it again. And so I played an out-of-tune guitar for like a whole song because oh I got God. so scared. And, you know, these things happen. And I understand that these things happen. But it's those kind of things that really like dwell in my brain and I go, yeah, that sucked. Like that, that really sucked. But I think that's what makes it a little bit draining is that, you know, nothing will ever go to plan. 
ever on tour, like nothing ever. And I think to try and mentally prepare for things to be so awesome but also maybe not so awesome is a bit of a – it's a hard one to wrap your head around, especially – you know, again, being so young, it was like, mm-hmm. I haven't even learnt life lessons yet. How do I react to this? <laughs> how do I don't even know how to drive? <laughs> and like you said, I'm supposed to be in a year 11 English class right now, guys. Yeah. What the hell do you want from me? But you know what? This is a perfect segue into the question that I wanted to ask you. What is the most bullshit thing that has happened to you while you know, while playing live on stage, off stage, backstage, in between shows, what's just a memory that jumps out at you and you're like, I I cannot believe that that happened? There's been many, 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 many in the short space of my career. So I can't imagine what the others have said to you after like 20 years in the biz. But after my brief little little moment, um, this actually, it was my first ever headline show in Sydney, uh, November last year. And I had, I was wearing this like little skirt and, um, it, and I had it obviously like folded up in my backpack cause I was in a hurry and I didn't have an iron and I was trying to find an iron, didn't, couldn't find one. And, uh, so I was using like a, my manager was using a hair straightener to, to straighten this, this skirt and we we're like, yeah, yeah, it works well. And then I was doing something, I can't remember what, but the hair straightener, my manager had like jumped up to like go and let somebody in or something, put the hair straightener down on her backpack. And I'd knelt down to grab my skirt. And mind you, we were going on stage in like maybe 10 minutes. And I've knelt down to grab my skirt, knelt on this straightener that is on the highest setting it could be on. And I'm about to walk on stage as well. So no. I've knelt on this straightener just like jumped up and I was had so much adrenaline like pumping through me I don't even think I felt it but it was like 200 degrees and I got up and just went nope it's fine everything's okay and just ran away put on the skirt and I put on tights like underneath the skirt of this like serious burn and then I just went guys I've got, I've got to go like I've got to go on stage I'm fine everything's fine and everyone was like oh all right if you say you're okay and I was like yep I have a show to play I'm gonna be okay so I just run on stage play the show and I was going my leg is really sore like it hurts Mm. now middle of the song I'm like ow and then I get off and at this point it was when everyone was doing the double shows so I had another show in the same venue after this and I had my tights on and then I was walking off stage to like go and meet a few people and I looked down and I could just see this massive lump on my leg and I was like oh it doesn't look too good and I thought maybe it's just a bit swollen because you know a burn I've never had a burn before I don't know and I like I think my manager like shone a torch on it and it was this massive blister like a underneath my thigh it's like this massive massive burn and I've just went oh no it's fine and then it started to really hurt and I was like oh it's not that fine and then we had to like try and find uh, a first aid kit and you know strap it up and I was still wearing the same outfit because obviously it was the second show so I just had this massive like bandage underneath my knee for the next show and I was like yeah you know I burnt my leg on a straightener and now I look like a really cool skater chick (laughs) and I had this this massive blister gross burn on my leg for like the rest of the tour and it was pretty cool but that's probably the most bullshit thing that ever happened it just kind of it was just bad timing really it really sucked but you know worse things have happened but like props to you for being like you know what I've I've got these shows to play so I'm just I'm gonna live with it and it's gonna be fine guys because it's true if you tell yourself it's gonna be fine most likely it's gonna be fine so huge props to you um but listen I know that you're super busy, so I'm just going to do one last little segment with you. This is my this or that segment. It's 10 uh, questions, I guess, this or that questions, self-explanatory, and you just need to answer them as quick as possible, just as something a little bit fun so for people to get to know you and to learn random facts about you. Beautiful. Let's do it. All righty. So number one, cocktails or wine? I reckon cocktails because they're fun. (laughs) <laughs> more fun <laughs> fork or chopsticks fork just because for quickness sometimes you've got to be a bit quick and I'm not the best at them yep fair Marvel or DC oh my god can I say neither because I don't know any I don't watch that kind of stuff oh yeah. <laughs> I don't know. all right you're off I'm kicking you <laughs> off no fair I'm actually not that big of a fan of either but so you know what I'll, I'll, I'll pay that Right, speeding ticket or parking ticket? This is going to be really awkward if you don't have a license. I don't have a license, ah. but I, w- I would say uh, maybe a parking ticket because then you don't lose your license over that. So if I had one to lose, uh, I wouldn't want to. There you go. Hmm. I love that. She's playing a national tour. She's about to head- 
<laughs> Support Amy Shark doesn't have her license. It's just not important, guys. <laughs> Too busy. All right. Would you rather a warm beer or a coffee gone cold? Oh, coffee gone cold because that's just like an iced coffee. Is it though? But it's like it was originally hot and then it's, oh. Actually, all coffee's originally hot. Fuck, yeah, true. You're going to edit that out. It sounded like a fucking media, does it? (laughs) All right. (laughs) Number six. Lose your passport or lose your wallet? Lose my wallet because I would rather – oh, because you have everything on your phone these days, don't you? You know, everything's there. True. Oh, she's on it. A hangover or jet lag? Oh, hangover, 100%. Okay. Oh, yeah, I guess, yeah, hangover's quicker. You get over it quicker. Yeah. Yeah, all right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Mars or Venus? Uh, Mars, I guess. Sounds nice. I was hoping you were saying that because you just posted a video saying that you included Mars in those favourite lyrics. I was like, if she chooses Venus, I'm calling her the fuck out. (laughs) (laughs) Mars all the way. Got to say it more. Yeah. Party hat or party shirt? Party hat. I'm pretty known for my party hats these days, so got a lot of them. Love them, love them. All right, last one. Uh, I know you're from Adelaide, so I wasn't gonna, I wasn't gonna include this because you were just gonna choose Adelaide. But Melbourne or Sydney? Oh, lately Sydney. Normally I would say Melbourne, but lately oh. Sydney. I reckon it's just nice. Don't know. Oh yeah, yeah. It's just nice. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. I mean, I, I couldn't really be offended by either because I'm, I grew up yeah. in Melbourne, but I live in Sydney now. I like both. Yeah. All right. Okay. Cool. I love it. <laughs> Can't get over the fucking coffee one. <laughs> You're like, it's all originally hot, you idiot. Like, true. <laughs> true. It is true. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. Um, I hope everything goes super well for you and that the tour doesn't make you too exhausted and that you continue to write beautiful music, which I know you will. And I hope you get to see a bunch of stuff that inspires some new music and some new stories because you're really great at oh, um, get poeticizing those. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a lot of fun. And that was George Alice and she, I really liked her. She was just so fun to talk to. She's very smart, as you can tell, if the ending of that conversation is anything to go by. Um, But if you enjoyed that chat, if you like her music, if you want to see her live, then you are in luck because she is playing at Splendor in the Grass in July. She then has her own headlining tour. She's hitting up Brisbane, Sydney, Melbourne and Adelaide. She's also supporting Amy Shark in both Perth and Adelaide later on in the year. So she is, like I said, she's pretty much everywhere. I'm sure there are going to be more dates and more shows added to her roster in no time at all. So, yeah, make sure you check her out this year, guys. I think she'll be well worth it. Next week, I will be joined by one of Australia's most up-and-coming voices, Cap Carter from Western Sydney. I first found Cap uh, a few years ago on social media, and I I can't remember what the video was, but I was instantly drawn in by his voice. It's different, it's husky, it's gritty, and so I followed him, and over the years, I've just seen this blow up uh he's now signed with universal music he has released his first ep notes and i was very lucky that i got to go see his ep launch and find out that he does in fact sound exactly the same live as he does on recordings which was very exciting what i will say about my chat with cap is that we do touch on some more sensitive topics um due to his history And I, of course, will be putting a disclaimer before next week's episode prior to getting into that interview in case anybody is triggered by those topics. However, if you are interested in kind of understanding Cap a little bit more, understanding his story, I highly, highly recommend that you go listen to his podcast with Men of Words. Men of Words is a mental health podcast. They also have Women of Words. 
And it's basically a series where they speak to somebody new every week and they try and lift up the curtain on mental health and really fostering that open community of talking about your feelings and telling your mates that you love them and showing them appreciation when it is due. So if you are interested in learning more about Cap prior to my conversation with him, which I highly recommend that you do, go listen to his episode with Men of Words podcast. But that's it from me this week, guys. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for supporting me one more week. If you did enjoy this episode and you haven't yet, please subscribe to It's All BS on Apple or Spotify. I would very, very much appreciate it. Uh, But in the meantime, I hope you all have a fantastic week. It is the first week of the new year. I hope you kick all of the goals that you have set in place for yourselves. And if you have no goals, we can be in the same boat. (laughs) We can just struggle through this first week together because since uh, recording the introduction and now I have since found out that I do in fact have COVID. So this is It's All VS. I'm your host, Sabrina. Have a good one, guys. Thank you.